John chapter 20, verse 19. On the evening of that day, the first day of the week, the doors being locked where the disciples were for fear of the Jews, Jesus came and stood among them and said to them, Peace be with you. When he had said this, he showed them his hands and his side. Then the disciples were glad when they saw the Lord. Jesus said to them again, Peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, even so I am sending you. And when he had said this, he breathed on them and said to them, Receive the Holy Spirit. If you forgive the sins of any, they are forgiven them. If you withhold forgiveness from any, it is withheld. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Uh, church, shall we stand? We're going to stand and uh, I want to thank, you, thank God for the great opportunity for my wife and I to be here. I want to follow through on a song that God gave the worship team. And so I'm going to read this promise from, uh, from Psalm 68 and verse 9. When you receive the promise, we're just going to praise God first. Okay, We're going to give him a clap offering because he's faithful in keeping his word. So here is Psalm uh, 68 and verse 9. The NIV says this, O God, you sent abundant showers and you refreshed your weary inheritance. Let's thank the Lord. Let's thank him. Just invite you, close your eyes, open your hearts and just thank him because he is sending rain. Isn't that wonderful? He's sending abundant showers to refresh all of us. And it could be some of us really are experiencing weariness. The Word of God says, you send abundant showers and you refresh your weary inheritance. Father, thank you, Lord. All of us are in need, Lord, of this life-giving rain. So we pray as we turn to your Word today, open our hearts. Make us hungry. Help us to know that you're the God who keeps your promises. You're the God of all grace, Lord. We don't come in our own merit. We come hungry and thirsty, depending on your mercy and your grace. So, Lord, I hand over this time to you. Speak through your word and fill us with your spirit. For Jesus' sake, amen. Amen. Please be seated. I must say, it's been a great joy for my wife, Amir, and I to have spent this weekend, so to speak, Friday and Saturday with you. Uh, there's nothing like coming back to the family that sent us out. So many of you, actually, the faces are not so familiar, which is the way it should be. A church should be growing. But 30 years ago, in 1991, uh, it was All Saints English that sent us out. Sent us out on a journey as a sent one, you know, into the mission field, if you like. It took us to St. George's Church and then St. John's and Margaret's and then in God's grace to lead the diocese. So we are coming back uh, to rejoice, no? Because when you finish something, 
yeah, you must rejoice with those who are, if you like, closest to you, who have been part of your journey. So I want to share with you, God is faithful, and I do so on the back of His enabling grace to complete the run, to complete the lap, to complete the term. So that's been our great joy to be here this weekend. And of course, uh, between that time, we have been here for weddings and confirmations. But uh, this time, we came back to conduct the Holy Spirit Conference. Now, my friends, and I realize we are also joined by uh, those who are online. I think it's tremendous. Uh, we, God shows us the priority of life. So we do whatever we do, including the heightened uh, restrictions and all, we do so because life is precious. And we don't want to act in ways that bring suffering. And one more death is a death too many. So it's really good that we are taking the precautions to overcome uh, the spread of the COVID virus. Having said that, God is able to surmount anything. So the parameters that we have such that we can meet as 50 and have many others online, for me, is um, not a problem to God. God always blesses those who come in faith. I want to invite those who are online. Uh, God is able, even in your very familiar, whatever it is, study desk, living room, uh, to create a sacred space. And so those of us uh, who are watching, and not watching, you're participating, you're participating in this service. You're not a spectator, uh, those of you online. I just thank God in my mind's eye, I can visualize you are here, and God joins us as one people, one congregation, all saints English, on this very special weekend. And that is why this morning, the scripture reading for my quiet time took me to Acts chapter 2, verse 4. And Acts chapter 2, verse 4, on the day of Pentecost, the word of God records, and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit. And they were all so I found, okay, we were thinking about this, about today's service, and I found the Lord saying, yeah, my son, you just preach and open the way for me to pour out the rain, to pour out the Spirit, and help them to know no one is exempt. No one is unworthy, and no one is outside God's best for you. You know, Yes, sometimes we experience life and then we think, well, maybe some people have it good and others perhaps don't have such a good ride experience in life. But don't think like that. Uh, you are precious to the Lord. He knows you by name. The script is different. What script God has for you and for me may be different, but He's the same God. And He knows we need the power of the Holy Spirit to live life to the fullest. Are you with me, friends? The script may be different, but we are more than overcomers through Christ, who, having died and risen for us, ascended on high, has received from the Father what He now pours out, which is the Spirit. 
And in the course of the conference, I shared with us that uh, the Spirit uh, overflows us, fills us, and it is uh, uh, defined, it is uh, a, a definite experience. You experience, it's a specific experience of being filled with the Spirit. So this text now, I also pass on to you. They were all. So don't come and you know, think, okay, maybe, maybe it's for some, and maybe I have to get certain things ready first, and so forth. Let us all today, even speaker, be filled with the Holy Spirit. So to be filled with the Spirit is to be filled with God's power so that we can live our lives for Him. And it's a sacred filling. That's what we have come here today for, to receive this filling, the filling that fills our soul, the light and the rain that fills our soul and then expresses itself in a new way with a power we've not known before. So for those of us who have been with the conference, we've covered three sessions actually yesterday. First is the indispensable gift of the Spirit. Indispensable because every believer needs the fullness of the Spirit. Every believer and the church to be the church needs the fullness of the Spirit. Secondly, the unmistakable filling of the Spirit. This is where I drew your attention to a distinct experience. So as we read Holy Scripture in the New Testament, when they are filled, it's a distinct experience. It ushers them into the supernatural. It opens up for them intimacy with God. God is so real, and they want to center their lives on the Lord. And then it empowers them. There's a passion in them for those who have yet to believe to know the Savior of the world. So it really changes us. And I went on to say it changes our moral character and conduct. So it's a definite experience. Now, having covered that, the third session was, so is it one-off? That's it. The filling of the Spirit is a distinct experience that can happen several times. Some of you may remember how you were filled with the Spirit, maybe at a church camp some time ago, or perhaps at the communion rail or altar call. But it doesn't mean that once you've had the experience, you don't need, because, you know, nowadays in sort of health-conscious Singapore, we talk about detox. Detox and refilling. And in a very similar way, although we are filled there are times that we become weary. We lose our way. The fire doesn't burn as brightly. And God doesn't just fold his hands and you know, wait for us to try and pull our socks up. He doesn't. He comes and he says, I know you are a bruised reed, a smoldering wick, but I won't break you and I won't let you die out. I will pour fresh fuel. Are you with me, friends? That's how much God loves us. His love is revealed in Jesus. And so he comes to fill us. So you can have more than one filling. But the Bible takes us even further. The Bible tells us in Ephesians 5 to be continuously filled. And that is new ground for many of us. In other words, every day I come to be renewed, to be filled again. So I live each day, moment by moment, I'm growing in this, to be continually filled with the Spirit. And, sh and I shared with you some ways in 
which you can be continuously filled with the Spirit. So that's the ground we've covered. Today is the climax. Today we come to receive this. God captures our mind and conquers our will, stirs our heart. And today we come, all of us, to receive a power not our own. It's a power from God. And it's real. And it's needed. And today my last topic is to give us the motivation for it. Because God's great desire is that His church is spirit-filled. So He fills His child, son, daughter, and He builds a spirit-filled community. So my topic today is the radiant community of the Spirit. The radiant community of the Spirit. And my key text is from what Sister Yong Yong read from Ephesians 2. So if you have your Bible, we're in Ephesians 2. And I'm going to focus, friends, on just one verse, mainly verse 21. Okay, so I'm going to read the end of verse 20 and come to verse 21. Christ Jesus himself being the cornerstone in whom the whole structure being joined together grows or rises to become a holy temple in the Lord. So, I'm going to describe the church using uh, Ephesians as a house. God is building a house or a building, if you like. He's building this house and it has a foundation. And the foundation is Jesus Christ of Holy Scripture, not the Jesus Christ of our imagination. Not the Jesus Christ that is, if you like, um, speculated on, dramatized. The Christ of Holy Scripture. That's why it says, on the foundation of the apostles and the prophets. Are you with me? So it's the Christ revealed in Holy Scripture, taught by the apostles who lived after Christ, and the prophets, which stretch back to the Old Testament prophets who pointed to him, who said he will be the suffering servant. By his stripes we are healed. He has carried our infirmities. This is the Christ. And he is the cornerstone. Those of us architecturally minded and aware of it, the cornerstone is the most important stone in the foundation. It sets the building. The whole shape and sway of the building depends on the cornerstone. And the cornerstone is Christ Jesus. Now he's going to build this structure, this house, and there are three things, and they're all underlined for us there. Three marks of a spirit-filled church. Three marks of this house that God is building. First, holiness. Because it's said in the Word of God, in whom the whole structure being joined together grows to become a holy temple in the Lord. Now, I think it helps. Ephesus is a global city. You know that in our generation now, we have what is called the world cities, you know, the global centers of the world. Ephesus was like that. It was a global city. It was the center of trade. It was at the hub of great culture, 
even military uh, centre and roots. Uh, it was an armament place. So it is a global city, and it's a global city also where there are many religions. And there is a fascination with the higher realm. And there are many temples there. And they have their own understanding of God and how God blesses the world. So you have the temple of Artemis, Diana of Ephesus. Uh, she's a Greek goddess. And she blesses through fertility cults. So through sexual orgies, acts, then the people prosper. So it is a multi-religious city. But there, a new seed has been planted. A new church. And Paul is writing to them about how God is building this church. And he says it is to be a holy temple. Holiness. A spirit-filled church grows in holiness. We are called to be set apart as a people belonging to God, a holy nation, a royal priesthood. So in Ephesians, we come across words in chapter 5 like this. Now, you, so Paul writing to the church, you are light in the Lord. Walk as children of light. Walk in what is good and right and true. Take no part in unfruitful works of darkness. In other words, those who belong to Christ, those who are part of all saints, we commit ourselves to live by God's law, to walk in God's ways. We are a holy temple. While we are not sinless, which is why we develop the practice, whenever we sin, we confess our sins. So that's a gift in our Anglican practice, that every worship service has confession and absolution. We do sin, but we're not sinless, but we want to be blameless. Are you with me, friends? There's a difference, right? You're born again, and the Lord has set you free from your sin, the grip of sin, taken away your guilt, in order that you might live for him. And his laws are life-giving. He made us, you see. He knows how to bring out the best in us. But we are fallen. So we commit ourselves to grow in holiness, to be blameless before God. There are two areas of holiness I want to highlight to you, dear ones. They come from the book of Ephesians. The first is speech. So could I ask you to look at chapter 4 and verse 25? Because sometimes it's good to ask, so what is holiness? Right? So I want to apply holiness in two areas. First is speech. Chapter 4, verse 25. Therefore, having put away falsehood, let each one of you speak 
the truth with his neighbor, for we are members one of another. Be angry and do not sin. Do not let the sun go down on your anger. What is holiness in speech? We do not spread falsehood. We don't say things that are untrue and we don't say things that we don't mean. Put away falsehood, right? Very hard <laughs> because of our fallen nature, but the Holy Spirit is changing us from within and he's filling us with a new power that affects our speech pattern. So in my house, and of course in All Saints, I grew up in All Saints for many years, we had a, a way of saying this, no. Someone will say, don't anyhow say, ah. You know what it means, right? Don't say something which is not true or not the complete picture. Don't anyhow say. It helps to capture, right? Because sometimes people can anyhow say, but it slanders. It gives you a different opinion of the person. So this is what uh, Paul is writing. Life in the spirit affects our speech. No false talk, no angry talk. Because angry words, if you don't deal with your anger, it'll come out and it will wound. No corrupting talk. Verse 29. So Ephesians chapter 4 verse 29 says, Let no corrupting talk come out of your mouths, but only such as is good for building up. So this word, corrupting talk, is the word that describes rotten fruit. Fruit that is rotting or rotten. So your speech, yeah, must not be vulgar. It must not be dishonest. It must not be unkind. Because when you speak unkind words and words that cause people to end up being very sour, you damage them. Rather, use words to build up people. I thought about this, friends, then I thought, okay, maybe I should also let you know, sometimes, so if the aim, the aim is to build up people, sometimes we don't say. Do you know what I mean? Even though, I'll just give you an example, when I was a pastor, inevitably, a leader, whether pastor or leader, not everybody agrees with your decision or your direction. For in St. John's and Margaret's also, I would face, you know, people. But sometimes someone will come and say, Pastor, you know that so-and-so is very upset, no? Very upset that you're going this way without doing this or considering this. That's reported speech, right? But it can light a fire and build resentment. So it would be better for that person to say, maybe, Pastor, you should check with someone how he or she feels. Are you with me, friends? Because if you carry the news, the pastor doesn't know the tone, body language, and the context, no? He just gets the end result. And that's how Satan divides a church. 
So sometimes, even though I know something, I don't say it, I don't say it out of love. I find a way to let the person say, maybe you better check out your perception. So this speech is both positive, what you say, but also what you don't say, because the Holy Spirit gives you wisdom. No? Because your motive is to speak the truth in love. Amen? That's your motive, right? To speak the truth. It doesn't come naturally, but that's one area of holiness. Second area of holiness is sex. Sex is the big arena for self-indulgence. Because all of us have fallen nature, we want to gratify, satisfy our own desire, our own pleasure, right? Our own cravings, right? It's very powerful. But uh, the apostle says that sexual immorality, this is now chapter 5, verse 3, sexual immorality and all impurity or covetousness must not even be named among you. That's why we need the Holy Spirit, friends. <laughs> because we are not only not to partake of it, it should not dominate our thought or our talk. When we are being made into a new people, are you with me, friends? This is the redeeming power of the cross. He's making a new creation. And for a new creation, you and I need to be filled with the Holy Spirit because we are not naturally like that. And I just told you what kind of city Ephesus was. So these new Christians, actually, the culture around them is, it's all right, you may be married, but you can go for the temple prostitution cult because it's religious. The Greek goddess accepts it and then is stimulated to bless us with prosperity and fertility. In other words, it can legitimize. So today's culture legitimizes a lot of things which are contrary to God's word. So ask yourself, hey, who do I follow? Do I follow God and all his plans or do I follow the world because the world is on its own track? And in this whole area, it's a difficult area, but I want to say to us, I, I say it on the basis of God's word, on the basis of the power of the Spirit. We can overcome, not by my power strength, but through his grace alone. Yet not I, but the grace of God and the power of God through me. It's such a sensual world. So, you know, the, the language of Holy Scripture, sexual immorality and all impurity, or covetousness. It seems as if covetousness, because you can, you can covet, you can want somebody else's body for your own pleasure. So it's far-ranging, but it's real, because God has come in, the kingdom has come, and he's changing us. So beware, because the sensual world feeds the lust of our eyes and the lust of the flesh, and lust leads to sexual immorality. Jesus described the enemy of God, Satan, as the thief who comes to steal and kill and destroy, and he loves to get you into addiction. Nobody becomes an addict without thinking, I'll never be an addict. Everybody thinks, you know, I can master it, I can master it. You know, in Niagara Falls in Canada, I learned, huh? that, yeah, a lot of people, a lot of people die. 
But the majority of people who die in the waters, in the rushing waters of Niagara, don't fall in where the waterfall cascades. They are caught upstream, upstream in the pools where it doesn't look dangerous. They go and frolic in the water and the current then pulls them. Are you with me? So the Holy Spirit helps us to overcome our habits, show us where our vulnerabilities are. Because the thief comes to steal and kill and destroy, but Jesus has come to give us life, life in all its fullness. And life in all its fullness includes sexual faithfulness, honoring the sanctity of marriage. So the consummation of love is in the tender act of sexual union in marriage. That's God's word. But the world has diluted and distorted it. Then we are caught. But the Spirit comes and sets us free. So it's such a confused world as well. As you well know, I don't say it at a distance, friends. I can see the enemy trying to create total chaos. The enemy, Satan, is against God and against all God's purposes. So there's confusion about gender identity. There's a confusion about sexual relations, right? And it's real. So I wanted you to know that God is strengthening us by the Spirit. And we are living in a world which now has to battle the validity of same-sex unions. And thankfully, some in the church have written about same-sex attraction but how to overcome by the power of God. So there's a great book, I commend it to you, Washed and Waiting. So it's the account of someone who has same-sex attraction, but he's a Christian. He wants to be faithful to God. He's washed, he knows he's sanctified by the blood of the Lamb, but he knows he still has the urges, the struggles. Are you with me? And he's waiting, waiting for the day when he will be set free. And that day may only come when Christ returns, but it's all right, washed and waiting. So with the power of the Spirit and the support of the church, he stays faithful. That's why you need a Spirit-filled church. Because we are not strong enough for this battle. It can come from any angle and it has the enemy's venom. So Paul writing to, and he's going to come because it's in Ephesians 5.18 that he says, be continuously filled because he knows what living in the real world is like and what our fallen nature is like. Holiness. We grow in holiness through worship. Please don't take worship as an option. I say to you from my heart and from God's word, coming together to worship, whether on site or online, 
is essential, plus the discipleship process. So the Spirit works through our processes, right? There's an encounter, but how do you grow in the Spirit? So don't despise what the church puts, makes available for you. So come together in worship and then have the small group or one-on-one discipleship. So that's a holy temple, right? But look at uh, another phrase used here. The whole building is joined together. So we're still on Ephesians 2.21. It says the whole structure which is joined together. So the next mark, first mark is holiness. Second mark is unity. Because it's joined together, you see, actually the Greek word, it's like, because he's thinking of a building, it's fitly framed together. That's the word now. It's fitly framed. Because last time they don't have this modern technology, precast and so forth. They have to get the stones, chisel the stones, and fit them together so the building can go up. Are you with me, friends? And the whole building is joined together. It's such a wonderful picture of unity. Again, if I may, two things I want to call your attention to. What does unity involve? The first thing it involves is acceptance. Acceptance. It's really basic. But Paul, in his letter to Ephesians, is dealing with this new society. God has planted the church. Jesus' resurrection redeemed people. And it's Jew and Gentile. And Jews, they feel they're on a different platform, you know. They have the oracles, they have the one and living God and all. And they can't really accept Gentiles coming in. But Paul is saying the cross has made you one. You must accept one another. And that's why in in chapter 2 he says, you are no longer strangers and foreigners. You are fellow citizens. I tell you, I think most of us are Singaporeans, so you may not know it, but when you are a foreigner and you're applying for Singapore citizenship, when you get it, it's jackpot, you know? Your passport, everything, because that's, if you like, the final sign, you're one of us. So, a spirit-filled church, there's a sense of belonging. We accept one another. Even though maybe we have different preference for worship form. And maybe we have different views of what policies or decisions. But we must share the sense of belonging to one family. Singapore society has its own fault lines. It's been recently raised and highlighted the fault lines between race. It can creep into any church. There are also fault lines between English speaking and Chinese speaking. So if you're filled with the Spirit, the love of God overcomes these prejudices. The love of God helps you to forgive. 
to bear. So, because I was part of this journey, I know a long-standing challenge is the relationship with the Chinese-speaking parish. But by the Spirit, we can belong to one church. And then, like any other church, there can also be a line between age groups and something more subtle, there can be a line between the older members, those who have been in all saints longer, and those who are newer. And there can be a wall. But the Holy Spirit joins us together. How? By melting our hearts. By helping us to know for love of Jesus and for love of his name, I will love my brother. I will learn to listen, to understand. So on the day of Pentecost, the Holy Spirit came with, a, with the sound of a rushing wind and tongues as of fire. And some have reflected, it's the fire, it's the flame of God's love. And that's going to happen. I believe that as we are filled with the Spirit, there will be a oneness. It's supernatural. It's not because I like you and I agree with what you're saying, but I'm committed to you. We are one family. We journey together. That brings me to the second aspect of oneness. We work together. We accept one another. That's the beginning, you know, but we work together because fitly framed together means we are joined together. Our gifts, our graces are matching, right? So you can imagine this building, huh? And uh, yeah, uh, the Lord is fitting us together. How we combine as different parts, different parts, but fitted into one body. So I see this in a cell group or an alpha group. I see it, my friends. Yeah, I see different people have different gifts. And when they come together, the place becomes a place of life. I see it in cell group, and we were discussing the other day, yesterday, about the gifts of the Spirit. And included in the gifts are gifts of service. People who have that gift of wanting you to be well taken care of, wanting you to be loved, wanting you to make sure your children are also well settled. That's a great gift. So when I come to a church, I just so, thank God, no, I really thank God, PA crew and all that. Because uh, this is not my area, but I joined with them. And we served, and we have prayer companions. So after you're filled with the Spirit, yeah, the prayer companions will help you. Because the Lord breaks through, and then there's a journey to go on. And yeah, so it's wonderful the way we are joined together. So I want you to know, as I bring you unity, huh? Jesus said, a house divided against itself cannot stand. A house divided against itself cannot stand. That's why the enemy works a lot to throw in the spana and divide and stop the movement. So we have come to this conference and I've shared, I believe God put it in Pastor Darren's heart, to have a whole series on the Holy Spirit. Because we need Him, because the battle is getting more intense. 
the prolonged COVID is also draining more of us. But this, I believe, is God's condition for salvation. Where people themselves and this cosmopolitan, you know, you know that the percentage of people who have no religion has increased to 20%, higher than the percentage of Christians, 18.9%. So the world is changing, but God in his mercy puts the brakes. And it's a time, no doubt, darkness, stress, death even, but life through the people of God. And our unity is crucial. So the filling of the Spirit melts our hearts, restores relationships, sets our spirit free. So holiness, unity, lastly, it says the whole structure grows into a holy temple. So the whole structure grows into... Uh, equivalent translation is the whole structure rises to become, rises to become a holy temple. So uh, you may have seen some of it in construction sites. So they have to then add the next story, the next floor, and so forth, right? So Paul, using this metaphor, is seeing that this structure, you have to go and get other stones and add it to the building. That's the only way that the building can rise. Am I right? What are these other stones? Other lives. Other lives that have not yet known Jesus. They come to saving faith and they are added to the church. Isn't that wonderful? So a spirit-filled church grows in holiness, grows in unity, and is evidenced by mission. Because they are filled with the Spirit to reach the lost and to bring them in. What a wonderful description of what God is making every local church. So happens today I'm with you in All Saints. Uh, well, I mean, All Saints, I remember, All Saints grew out of that mission, no? So several of you, you know Raffles City, Capitol Theatre, the cathedral is there, St. Andrew's Cathedral. St. Andrew's Cathedral sent out a church planting team mission to Golden Mile area, Beach Road. And the fellowship that started there was called Golden Harvest. And because mission is in our DNA, I want to share this with you and encourage you, right? God in his mercy, your history and mine, because we are committed to mission and reaching the lost, Golden Harvest gave birth to another church planting team that started a center called Bado Extension Center, which has now used to meet in the school premises here. It now is a parish church, Chapel of Christ the Redeemer. So many of you are new, several are have been on the longer journey. This binds us together, I hope, one purpose, huh? that others may know him. Yesterday, in the time when the Spirit was moving, we received a word of prophecy that God's large hand will not let go of our loved ones. Those of you who were on the conference, uh, you may remember this, God's large hand. God is saying, I'll be faithful. Pray on and press in because I will bring them in. 
such a wonderful picture. And of course, I'm thinking also of your preschool ministry and your school ministry. So today, as you and I am thinking of those at home, yeah, you're not, you're not in the second row, those online. You're joined by the Spirit. Receive the Spirit so that we can grow in mission. Now, this mission is evangelism. So we're reaching the lost in our world, and that's our family, our friends, but also here in the school. But mission has a world dimension. That's where the gospel reading comes. And I'm going to close with this, friends. Jesus said, as the Father has sent me, I am sending you. This morning, my wife had a great privilege to be at the commissioning survey of a very dear sister that we knew in St. John's, St. Margaret. She, she's a young widow, but her faith in the Lord is radiant. And she thought that God would use her in China, but God called her to work among the Kurds who are displaced from their home country, Kurdistan. And many of them are in Iraq. And God called her. And so Jesus says, as the Father has sent me, I am sending you. When we are a spirit-filled community, we encourage each other to embrace God's call to step out of our comfort zone, to trust God. God has a plan for each one of us. So without doubt, sent ones means we live vocationally. We live, our work is our worship to God. That's what I mean. Our work, we don't worship the work. Our work is an act of worship to God, right? Yeah, so, so we live vocationally. But I do believe Jesus says, I'm sending you into the world. So I want to end, my friends, because we're going to receive the wind of the Spirit. So in John 20, it's the evening of the day when Christ rose again. Christ rose again, and then the disciples are in a room uh, locked in fear because the Jews or the authorities are against them. And uh, Jesus comes to them and shows them his side and they realize he's conquered. And then Jesus says to them, receive the Holy Spirit. The word of God is inspired, right? So on this evening, Jesus breathes into them. There's a wind of the Spirit. I believe the Holy Spirit is alluding to the evening when Adam and Eve ran away from God. In Genesis chapter 3, it is said it was the time of the evening breeze. Some translations, in the cool of the day. God came to the garden to look for Adam and Eve. And then it marked 
that they had disobeyed, they had sinned, and there's a total fall of creation. So we've all now lived under the shadow of sin and the grip of sin and the pain of sin. We have. But God is never undone. Never. God sent His Son to launch the new creation. And now a new wind comes and He breathes into us and really, like Adam, you know, we become living beings in the new creation. Are you with me, friends? So the filling of the Spirit is not some strange phenomenon. Filling of the Spirit is God fulfilling His purpose. He created you. He redeemed you. He wants to fill you for His glory. That's what today is all about. And so I give you this picture of a radiant church, radiant in holiness, radiant in unity, radiant in mission. Will you stand with me? And as you stand, uh, those of us at home, would I, can I ask you to also stand? I am encouraged because I learned from Joseph, that uh, there were families that were watching and participating in the conference, and even now. So, Lord, I'm asking now, Lord, what's on your heart, Lord? Your great desire that all saints should be a spiritual church that every child of yours might know the power of the Holy Spirit to overcome the pull of sin, to overcome the woundedness in life. One of the words yesterday is that many are crying. So God sees the brokenness and God wants to bring you, heal you, free you, and use you so wonderfully. Father, I just ask for this. So, Father, in the name of Jesus, as we worship, Lord, help us to behold Christ. Beloved, the one who fills you with the Spirit is Jesus Christ. And He is present, risen, ascended, and He's present, alive. And he wants to fill you with God's empowering presence. Come, Holy Spirit. We're going to worship uh, with songs, I believe. And just we're going to invite you. God is speaking to you heart to heart. And we've come to the moment now to be spirit-filled so that we will be a spirit-filled church ready for the master's use. Thank you, Lord. As we prepare to respond from our hearts, let's desire and let's long for the Holy Spirit, for a fresh touch, for a fresh wind from God. You know, wherever we are, we're going to sing these songs over us. If we are at home, we can sing along. But most importantly, that these songs just prime our heart for an encounter with God. Prepare us.
As you will. 